warning. This is explicit content. There is talk of murder. There is trigger warnings for child death. And so please be aware if you continue onto this podcast, onto this episode, it is a true crime episode. Hi, I'm Katrina. And I'm Sydney. And this is Murder of Death. So we had a break last week. Um, it was just really crazy. Everyone in my house was sick. Um, I'm pretty sure we have the flu. We did not have COVID. I did get tested. Um, Chloe's going to be MIA for a little bit. She's just got a lot on her plate. But Anthony's going to be here, so don't worry. But today, Sydney's going to tell us about who? We are talking about Susan Powell's story. Um, it is super, it's awful. I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. It is terrible. Um, but I've kind of been stuck, you know, on like, not so much serial killers as like, you know, like Lacey Peterson, this woman, stuff like that. I've been stuck on that for a while. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, and also, before we start, I'm going to tell you this because um, I'll forget. There is a book. I can't remember who the author is, but it's called If I Can't Have You about this, too. So if anybody wants to, like, read, you know, more about it. But anyway, we'll go ahead and start. Uh, Susan Marie Powell was born, or was born, um, Susan Marie Cox, October 16th, um, 1981. She was raised by her parents, Charles and Judy Cox, um, and I didn't find a ton of info on her early life, you know, I, you know, basic American upbringing as far as I could find out, um, but Susan met her future husband, Josh Powell, in November of 2000. The two began their relationship that year, and then they actually got married, and it was in November, sorry. And then they actually got married the next April. Uh, Josh had a bachelor's degree in business and he worked for several different different compa- companies. Um, Susan was actually a trained cosmetologist, but she ended up taking a job with like Wells Fargo Investments. Um, for a brief period after they got married, Josh and Susan actually, Josh's dad, Stephen. That's a big uh, jump from, that was, cos- that's a big jump from cosmetology right. to Wells Fargo. <laughs> really figured out like I mean there's there's a lot more info on her husband which is you know I wish there was more info on her because that's who we're talking about but um I don't know like I'm thinking it's because they moved like because they um lived with his dad for a while and I'm guessing you know she was a cosmetologist at this point and then when they moved she just had to you know she did I mean like found a job you know I mean it works that way sometimes yeah so anyway for a brief period after their wedding they lived with his father and Susan's father-in-law developed like an obsessive infatuation with her um he would like follow her around the house with a camcorder he would use a small mirror to like spout her when she was in the bathroom uh he would steal her yeah steal her underwear which I never I never I would never understand like no you see that in funny movies 
like comedic relief, you know, some teenager is like, oh, I got panties, but I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, no, it's froze. <laughs> yeah. Um, he read a journey, journals, I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff. So in 2003, which would have been about two years after they got married, Stephen confessed his feelings for Susan, who rejected him obviously I mean she's married to his son I don't find that that abnormal um the pals soon then moved out of state um (laughs) but but that encounter I found out was actually caught on Steven's camcorder microphone like there wasn't a video of him but obviously his voice you know and her rejected him so that that's just I mean I guess that really has not a ton of bearing on our story but the dad was a freak I'm sorry he's a messed up individual um so that then he just think they were gonna live happily ever after like I'm gonna divorce my son and be his new stepmom and and he was so weird when we start to learn about um you know Josh's um backstory uh that I'm thinking like was he like listen we can straight up be a thruple or, or whatever you know you call that I don't know what you call yeah. that yeah I'm boring I don't know what he's saying. yeah no I just need one just one yeah I, can I mean like kudos up. to you but yeah yeah I can barely keep up with my one I could yeah. not have more than one um so then we kind of got in we get into a little bit of Josh's backstory and his parents had like a dysfunctional relationship at best I mean according to their divorce filings this was made by Terica who was Josh's mother her husband shared pornography with Josh and his two brothers um which is you I mean like whatever you do you but why are you sharing it with your children uh, yeah, yeah that's Uh. um he refused to teach or enforce limits on josh um and um you know it affected him obviously like as a teenager this is when he starts to get weird um well yeah and they need limits and like i think the like sharing the pornography is like part of the like no limit i don't know if it was more along the lines of like his dad saw him as a friend and like we're friends and not I'm your I'm your parent right um I like I mean I don't watch porn not that I'm being judgmental but um you know like the way I understood this I feel like he was like watching it with them like they were like pals on the couch watching some porn like yeah it wasn't yeah that's um, that's not a parent yeah yeah that's not how um, a parent acts they don't they don't do that and they enforce rules they suck but they enforce rules because teenagers don't know what's good for them even though they think they do I wish I knew like when this you know started too because you know if he was not even a teenager then I feel like you're sexual you're sexualizing your children and that's yeah we don't know yeah that's that's weird um so anyway as a teenager 
he started displaying some weird behavior. He allegedly killed gerbils that belonged to his sisters. Ugh. And he also threatened his mother with a butcher knife, which is like, I mean, red flag. I'm sure that he didn't go right out and tell Susan this. Of course, she probably didn't know. Um, but, and I'm not is- even just his mom. She sounds like she has a hard life, but like, if my kid threatens me with a butcher knife, I was just thinking if we and like because our our parents did never heard the term gentle parenting can you imagine us pulling a butcher knife on our parents they would have stabbed us and made us clean up the mess and like andrew grounded and i mean like even even if we're gentle parenting like and like i said i'm not blaming her i'm sure she had a really rough life with him and his dad but like did they not think that maybe you know they needed to seek out like psychological help for him yeah and yeah you know put that kid in therapy if he pulls a knife you got to go to therapy right and he actually attempted suicide too on at least one occasion so there's something deeply disturbed with this man boy and i that's one thing that i always I, i always come back to with this the mental health stigma is slowly being lifted. Slowly people are realizing it is okay to need help with your mental state, you know? But when we were when we were growing up, like that wasn't a thing. Like mental health days no. weren't a thing. You sucked it up, you dealt with it, you hid it all away, you didn't show it, you know, and like like millennials get a lot of crap but I think us millennials are coming out and we're like no that's super unhealthy like that's how serial killers happen that's how bad parenting happens that's how you know like all of these things happen because you project your trauma instead of dealing with it like we've got to deal with your, your crap like it's hard but mental health is just as important as physical health well, you know, my mom, like our moms are what, Gen X? Is that what it is, Gen X? Um, yeah, I think not so. Gen- and we had a conversation about that the other day. And I was like, you know, I can't brag on millennials a lot. And she agreed with me. Like, you know, people in their late 20s, early 30s are really like, hey, it's okay not to be okay. Yep. So I don't know how we got there, but. Oh, I did. I just saw a meme and it just made me think it's because we went through like six end of the world. You know, we had yeah. Y2K, we had 2012, um, you know, war three, like COVID. Yeah. Nine 11. Like, like we've been through so much. Yeah. So our, our whole, our whole generation is like, <laughs> listen, okay. We've been through the ringer. It's okay. Yeah. If you're not okay. Right. Um, anyway, so back to their relationship, um, Susan ended up giving birth to their first child, uh, Charles Joshua Powell on January 19th, 2005, and their second, Brayden Timothy Powell on January 2nd of 2007. Now already, you know, I guess shortly after the second or the second child, Susan's journal entries and emails indicated a lot of unhappiness in the marriage. Um, There was tension because both of these families were big parts, like her family and Tim, you know, were both big parts of 
I can't remember the church. Um, it wasn't Church of God, but anyway, they were very, you know, religious. Yeah. Uh, families. And some of the tension was because like he wouldn't attend like church with his, his wife and children at all. And um, because Joshua also continued contact with his father, despite the ongoing advances towards Susan. So, I mean, like, I'm talking to my husband about this. And my mom, who you know, was like, everybody loves everybody, was literally the one who told me she had watched an ID me or something. You know what? Like some kind of ID channel on this. And I was super interested in it. But I was like, tell her if your dad, which he never would, so anybody out there listening, my father-in-law is a great man, but made advances on me repeatedly and you were like oh I'm still gonna be pals with him I would be like well this ain't gonna work dude why do we kill with him brother if he hit on me like not not a chance like yeah it would be bad there would be no relationship I understand even if it weren't for the church which I know like you know we're we come from religious backgrounds and and that does make a lot of difference if you share the same faith whatever faith that you choose if if your partner can share or respect your faith then that you know if you're on opposite ends that's going to cause conflict but the dad that's like some big conflict um there so there was that susan's friends also pointed out josh's extremely controlling behavior towards his wife and also he had like extravagant spending habits apparently um he actually filed for bankruptcy in 2007 declaring over like two hundred thousand dollars in debts so in 2008 susan recorded a video serving property damage she actually said was from josh and she wrote a secret will that included the statement i want it documented that there is extreme turmoil in our marriage and if i die it may not be an accident even if it looks like one i don't like i'm not trying to to victim blame because i understand it is hard but why oh, yeah. did she leave why i mean i mean yeah because at all like I'm not, like you said, not at all. Like you have, we have no idea what the situation completely entailed, but I mean, obviously she was scared. I would feel like to write a will like that, she was scared for her life. Yeah. And like, it terrifies me. It does. And um, like, I I can't imagine. I can't. The scariness of that. But just, that's just terrifying. Like, I just wish that she'd have been able to get out. Like, I know where this is going. You know, yes. I know it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, so just to note, this isn't petty people, but uh, guys, if you're in an abusive relationship, you can get out, reach yes. out for help. Yeah. Stay. Yes, there's so, so many things out there that will help you. In the uh, show notes, I'll put a domestic hotline for um, you to reach if you need to get a hold of someone, get out get out and it's there's better out there you can do better yes yes off of our soapbox um so on the morning of december 6th 2009 
Susan and her two sons attended church services and a neighbor visited that afternoon stating that she left around 5 p.m. And this was the last time that anyone outside of her household seen her ever. Um, the entire Powell family um, was reported missing on December 7th by family members, including Josh's mother and sister, Jennifer. Uh, the family was super suspicious and went looking for them because they had been informed that the children hadn't been dropped off at daycare. So, like, they're like, hey, our kids, our grandkids, our daughter-in-law, they're all gone. We don't know where they are. Um, so police failed to contact, they couldn't get a hold of the family. So they actually broke into their home because they were, you know, afraid like of carbon monoxide poisoning or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, like she fell down the stairs. And there was no one, something, you know, crazy. I mean, at this point they can't find the kids. They can't find the mom. They can't find Josh. Yeah. No one's there. Yeah. Um, so they broke in. And there's no one there. Um, but the police reported that there were two box fans blowing onto the couch where there was a wet spot. Um, Susan also didn't show up to work that day and her purse and wallet were left inside the house. So um, at about 5 p.m., Josh returned home with the kids. And in his police statement, he said that he had left Susan alone at home that night and taken the boys camping camping in Simpson Springs uh police actually later investigated this I guess maybe this was somewhere where people went camping you know um so they later investigated this but there was absolutely no evidence of a campsite and they also found it strange that Josh would take the boys out camping in like blizzard-like conditions because this is December yeah yeah let's go camping in the middle of winter because that's what people do with their children I mean, like this man all obviously you know has issues but I mean he wasn't smart about it either you know what I'm saying yeah I mean you love a dumb criminal right because it's like thank you for being an idiot so we can catch you and punish you for your crime um so upon searching the pal residence um Investigators also found traces of Susan's blood on the floor. Life insurance policies on Susan for $1.5 and a handwritten letter from her expressing fear for her life. And then this gets shady. I mean, it just continues to get worse. But when the DNA test results were released, this was in 2013, um, they matched one blood sample with Susan but there was another sample that was determined to have come from an unknown male contributor. Mm. So yeah, that's not Josh. Um, so in August of 2012, um, West Valley City Police released documents showing that Josh took action that were regardless, regarded, excuse me, as highly suspicious following Susan's disappearance. Josh, liquidated all of her retirement accounts, canceled her regularly scheduled chiropractic sessions, and withdrew his children from daycare. And this is like she's she's missing, right? She's not yes. she hasn't been found or anything. She see like that's yeah, like you don't expect her to come back. Like she 
She's left. Yeah, she's and like and, on the other spectrum, like we're talking about, you know, why she didn't leave. Why didn't he leave? Like, why is murder better than divorce? Um, I don't, this guy, like, now I'm going to use a husband line because this continually, it's just going to get worse, but I'm going to use a line from Tyler who is not at all like me. That's why he's a cop and I'm a nurse. You know, I want to find the, the best in everyone. But, and I don't want anybody to go to hell if you believe that way out there in listener land. But, like, there's a special place for this guy. My husband always says, Jesus has to love him, but I don't. This guy's gross. I don't like him. I don't like him. I like Um, that. I like that saying. Jesus has to love him, but I don't, yeah. We're, it's a constant argument between us, not to bring religion into this, but I'm always like, Jesus says you have to love everyone, Tyler. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I like I it cracks me up how much Tyler and I align with our <laughs> viewpoints because we're just like nope nope yeah. nope <laughs> um so there's also I guess his co-workers give statements about how he's previously spoken to them about how to hide a body in an abandoned mine shaft in the western Utah desert. Like what? I mean, really? Um, so disgusting. Disgusting. He's obviously, I mean, to me, that completely and totally points to guilt if you are literally asking about how to hide a body, you know, just psychopaths. Um, and then police interview the couple's oldest son, Charlie, who confirmed that the tramp, the tramping, oh my, the camping trip that Josh described did take place. However, unlike Josh, he stated that Susan had gone with them and that she didn't return. Weeks after her disappearance, a teacher reported that Charlie had claimed his mother was dead. And Susan's parents, Chuck and Judy Cox, claimed that while at daycare several months after the disappearance, Brayden, who was the youngest son, drew a picture of a van with three people in it. And he told the carers that mommy was in the trunk. So, yeah, kids. kids- tell all kids kids gonna tell a kid is gonna tell what are those scratches on your belly (laughs) yeah mom mom beat me yeah 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 even if it's not true you know they say your your kids daycare provider and your kids preschool teacher know everything about you oh yeah kids are gonna tell them everything some of it very very uh stretched oh yeah um, it seems like at this time, like investigators informed the media that they planned to question Josh again, and they subpoenaed all footage and interviews of him, like his stuff that had aired and unaired on local TV stations. Um, so then December 14th, he retained an attorney in connection with that investigation and police said that he grew increasingly uncooperative 
Um, a few days later, he takes his sons to stay with his dad for the holidays. And by December 24th, he was considered a person of interest in um, the investigation. But then January 6th, he returns to their home with his brother, Michael, to pack up the family stuff. Um, and he says, you know what, I'm moving permanently in, you know, with my dad. So he moves in with his dad, his sons, um, and his brothers, Michael and Jonathan, and his sister, Alina, I believe is how you say it. Um, and he told everybody that he was going to rent out his house in Utah. Um, so soon afterward, there is a website launch that's susanpowell.org. Um, and the site's anonymous entries, anonymous entries, defended Josh. Like, oh, he's the victim of a smear campaign by Susan's family and his estranged sister and the church that they all went to. Um, and then, you know, they tried to... Uh, there was another man a journalist who had vanished around the same like it was the same week as Susan so they try to connect that and say oh they ran off to Brazil together and she abandoned her family due to mental illness just I mean all all of this they're putting on there and you know they're guessing that it's Josh and his dad posting these things because it's enough yeah that's like oh my god um so then the investigators kind of start looking at the dad Stephen um because learned from a family friend that Stephen was just obsessed with Susan so computer images seized from his house in 2010 turned up 4,500 images of Susan taken without her knowing, including oh. close-ups close ups of specific body parts. That is so gross. Like, my husband loves me, and I guarantee he does not have that many pictures of me in his phone. Right? Like, I love my children, and I'm pretty sure I don't have that many photos of them in my phone I mean I have a lot don't get me wrong but like no that that is unhealthy obsession so when while they're investigating Stephen they also start to look at Josh's brother Michael um because they learned that he'd sold his broken down Ford Taurus to a wrecking yard in Oregon and this happened shortly after Susan's disappearance and that he later ordered satellite images of the lot. So police go and they find the car and they get the, the dog that you know sniffs and stuff. So he indicates that there, a, that a sorry, excuse me, um, that a decomposing human body had been in the trunk but DNA tests on the car were just inconclusive. 
And I mean, they, there's so much. Okay, so Utah authorities actually discover a possible grave site while um, searching Topaz Mountain in a desert area near Nympha, Nepha, 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 I don't know. Um, there were signs there of recent soil disturbance, shoveling, but after digging a few feet down, police were like unable to find any remains at all. Um, so they try to look at the site for a long time, but there's just like nothing. Um, so at this point, this is 2011. Um, the Powell family and the Cox family, which are Josh's family and Susan's family, just like it's come, it's becoming super hostile. Like a police, there was a police raid on Josh and Stephen's house and they were mad. So um, they took to like big news outlets saying that Susan had allegedly, allegedly written about the relationship between Stephen and herself. And Stephen claimed that he and Susan had been falling in love prior to their disappointment or her disappearance. You know, when you're saying a word and then yeah. you just, yeah. So that's all, you know, going on. And um, I, I don't know what that's about. Like, honestly, it just proves that this whole family is psychotic to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on September 22nd, Stephen was actually, the dad, was actually arrested on, like, porno child pornography um, charges. Yeah. He had secretly videotaped numerous young women and young girls, including Susan. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and no. at this time, you know, Josh's sister, Jennifer, is saying, hey, I think that Josh is responsible. Um, so, like, just, you know, come on. Like, it's just everything. And this is a lot. This story is a really lot. But um, so in late, like, after September sometime, 2011, Josh undergoes like a series of court ordered evaluations in Washington. Um, and the evaluations determined that Josh had adequate parenting skills, a steady employment history, and no record of domestic violence. Um, but he, the investigator or evaluator also raised issues concerning like ongoing criminal investigations, um, Josh's failure to admit normal personal shortcomings. He was overbearing with his sons. He was very defensive. He was paranoid. Um, and the initial recommendation was for Josh to have visitation with his son several times a week with a supervised, like supervised with a social worker. Ooh, I bet that made him real mad. Um, and then in the last week of January, the next year, Utah police discover about 400 images 
of simulated child pornography, bestiality, and incest on a computer that was seized from the fa- the Powell family home. Question. Um, it, okay, is, be, okay, this is really dumb and it's literally ignorant. Bestiality is illegal, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I guess it is. Because like it'd be animal abuse, right? Right? Yeah. And I mean, in, incest I isn't. Think so. I don't think. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I would imagine that that would be illegal because, like, that that would be considered animal abuse. But like incest, I guess, isn't illegal, is it? I don't. I don't. No, know. I. I remember other like telling me when they um you know like when you go to the courthouse to get your marriage license um yeah. when she was young they actually did a blood test on you to make sure that you were related or something yeah but, I remember like, hearing I about that thing like, it's not they literally we'll say that, marry who you want to yeah yeah well they ask they're like are you related and you're like no and then they're like okay cool we believe you no But yeah, child pornography um, and probably so because Well, okay. So the images was they had been hand-drawn or in a cartoonish 3D format. Um, so, like, they couldn't take him to jail for that, I guess, because, you know, there's no actual animal or actual child or whatever. Yeah. Like, you're, you're um, a freak and you, you need help, but we can't arrest you for, yes. like, drawing. Right. That's so, so he's recommended, it's recommended Josh receives um, more thorough, like, psychosexual evaluation and a polygraph test. But no one suggested any change in the visitation schedule with the children. Um, so, you know, which, I mean, uh, that guy, whoever determined that has to live with this for the rest of their life. Um, on February 5th of 2012, social worker Elizabeth Griffin Hall called 911 after taking Charlie and Brayden to a supervised visit at Josh's house. Um, She was supposed to monitor the visit between Josh and the boys, but it was reported that when she came to the tour, Josh told them that he had a surprise for them. He grabbed them and would not let her. So she calls 911. Soon thereafter, the house explodes, killing Josh and the boys. Oh no! Oh, oh. and so oh, baby, local authorities treat this case as a Um, they said that that was definitely um like deliberate. They did a brief investigation, but 
it was obvious that they exploded. It's getting worse. So the official cause of death for Josh and the boys was determined to be carbon monoxide poisoning. But the coroner also noted that both children had significant chopping injuries on their head and neck. Oh. And that the hatchet was recovered in Josh's body. Um, so they, they, the investigators believe that he attacked the boys with it before he was overwhelmed by smoke. Uh, the fire investigation also found two five-gallon cans of gasoline on the premises, um, as well as evidence that hit had been spread throughout the house. And I mean, just suck. First of all, if the coroner said that these babies died from carbon monoxide poisoning, that means not only did their dad, you know, try to butcher him, them, he was unsuccessful. So yeah. he didn't just, you know, chop them in the back of the head. Like they were probably in so much pain. So then, oh, I don't know. Friends and relatives of Josh tell the authorities that he's before the incident to say goodbye. Um, he had also withdrawn like $7,000 from his bank account, donated it to his children's, to children's toys. And oh my gosh. Okay, he donated the 7,000 and his children's toys and books to local charities uh, the day before the incident. And um, he declared Michael, his brother, um, the main beneficiary of his life insurance policy. So... Um, and those babies are buried at Woodbine Cemetery, which means a memorial for their mom, um, who still has never been found. Um, Josh's remains were cremated. And uh, you know that scene on Buffy, which I know is a fake scene, where she goes in and the, the master big vampire that like killed her or whatever, but she came back to life is dead and she's really mad and she like crushes his bones yeah she like just beats him to death yeah that's what you do with like maybe a little that maybe a little spit i don't know yeah he deserves no less <gasps> that is horrible horrible um and also i can say this to close out the next year, February 11, 2013, one year after the death of Josh and his sons, Michael, the brother, killed himself in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He had moved there for graduate school. Um, he jumped from the roof of a parking garage. Police questioned Michael a lot in 2012 after the whole abandoned car. Um, but Utah authorities since have said that they do believe that Josh and Michael were the accomplices in the which I mean would explain that unknown male yeah. blood sample. I don't know why. You know, I'm sure that the reason why they 
they didn't, you know, do a blood test on him at the time. But so I'm sure that POS was in on it too. Also, uh, <laughs> just a little tidbit about Stephen, who is in jail. Authorities notified him of the death of his grandchildren and his son. And he, quote unquote, didn't seem upset by the news. He was angry towards the authorities who notified him. Two weeks later, Stephen invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to answer any questions regarding Susan's disappearance. And the Cox family have stated that they believe Stephen knew what actually happened. Oh, of course he did. To, he was convicted of voyeurism charges, and I really should have looked that up, but I do not. I didn't. So I don't know what that was, but uh, he's in jail. And uh, yeah. And those babies, Charles Joshua Powell and Brayden <laughs> Timothy Powell, were seven and five. Oh my God. I just realized I was off mute when I sneezed. Sorry. <laughs> but that's awful. No biggie. That is. Yeah. There's a special, special um, place in hell for the poor baby. Um, right. When my mom mentioned it, she was like, I guess she thought we remember because I graduated in 2009 and apparently his face was all over the news, but I don't remember it at all. And I told her, I was like, well, I think I might look into that for murder obsessed. And she literally said, well, before you do it's involving kids and I was like eh yeah but it it didn't pique my interest in a disturbing way I just wanted to learn more about her because you know not only did this monster kill his kids he killed her and she's out her body's out there somewhere like her parents did have her legally declared deceased however you do that I'm not really sure but like I think you have I to be missing I feel like so there would long. never be any closure no I can't imagine you know they know that John, yeah they can't bury her I don't know well that was a rough one um it was a really nasty one I was just not I, yeah it was grody, and I know that I stumbled through it, but there was so much information. I was trying to get it all out to you guys. So, that is the Susan Powell story. It is terrible, but there is that book, like I said, if you guys want to read more into it, called If I Can't Have You. So, and there I'll, are actually, uh, I looked up, the apparently now. there are a couple podcasts on this too. So, if you listen to her, yeah. If you listen to other true crime podcasts, I did see when I was researching a little bit on Wikipedia, they had a couple at the bottom listed different podcasts because, you know, you never know. They might have got different details than me. So, yeah. Yeah. We're still learning how to research. So, um, uh, I don't know. It's been a long day and I'm still like, I'm not sick anymore, but like, there's like a vice grip on my lung. So it's, oh. yeah. Um, but next week I will be doing a case and uh, I'm digging back into my old 
um, badly behaved women like these crazy women of Cleveland. So yeah, I love be, that. Yeah, I but when I first started, I was doing a lot of cases out of that book. Um, there's one that I've been wanting to go back and do. So um, I'll be back on that one here next week. As long as, you know, no one gets cool. sick, crazy things don't happen. And maybe, hopefully, Chloe will be able to be back, join in on this podcast. But we need I'm, her commentary. I know. I'm, I miss her. I have to let her know we, that Me we miss too. her. All right, but I'm yes. Katrina. This is Sydney. This has been Murder of Seth. Stay listening, stay murder obsessed, but don't be like this piece of crap and be obsessed with murdering. Bye. Later.